0: And if nations are dependent on one another, they are less likely to bomb one another. The European Council actually still exists today. It is often confused with the European the industry Union, and but they are two, two distinct the bodies. Of the, the, Europe, the hope of this Council was that by working together, these nations would be able to rebuild and grow strong economies faster after the devastation of World War Two. But... It also meant that these countries would be slightly more dependent on one another. And if nations are dependent on one another, they are less likely to bomb one another. The European Council actually still exists today. It is often confused with the European the industry Union, and but they are two, two distinct bodies of the continent. The, Europe, the hope of this council was that by working together, these nations would be able to rebuild and grow strong economies faster after the devastation of World War II. But it also meant that these countries would be slightly more dependent on one another. And if nations are dependent on one another, they are less likely to bomb one another. The European Council actually still exists today. It is often confused with the European the industry Union, and but they are two distinct bodies of the the, Europe, the hope of this Council was that by working together...
1: Uh, the Netherlands. Oh, I thought you were another Dane.
0: Explain. Hello, How's it going here?
2: Ah, hello,
0: mate, <laughs> <the> voice, man.
2: <laughs> Hi. G. Um, great video, by the way. I yeah, good video. Message.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you all liked it. That's that's good to hear. Especially if I get uh, praise from from Chicken. You know, half the people in here will say it's a great video no matter what Chicken says. it. It's like, oh, it's actually did good.
2: I usually have something to say about your videos, like something I don't agree with, but I generally agree with the message this time.
1: Yeah, that was very good. It's a very good overview of of what the situation is, and not necessarily going into the uh, little details that everybody is falling over at the moment, but yeah, good video.
0: Yes, yes, all the little details I um, try to avoid, but a few things before we get into it. Uh, apologies about mm-hmm. not being super active on Discord this week. I have been so uh, not so much sick as basically bedridden. Uh, I started going to the gym uh, again, and I did a huge, a very intensive workout, and then um, basically all my muscles refused to work for the rest of the week. So, yep, that's that was something. Uh, you know, this this very late New Year's resolution is coming back to bite me in the butt. Other than that, I just want to make sure as well the people over on the YouTube stream are hearing the audio loud and clear because last week um, there was some issues with with the audio. Um, people could hear me talk, but they couldn't hear the, on the Discord server talk. So if you can't hear the Discord server talk, just let me know. Q and A people. Uh,
3: I just want to say, I'm a huge fan of yours and uh, love what you do, man.
0: Oh, Mika's a, a great guy. Mika's a great guy. Nah, dude, I'm
3: nah, just I'm doing, doing my
0: job. <laughs> Boosting my self confidence. Um, <laughs> actually, okay. So first question of the night is completely irrelevant to the video and directed entirely at Red Chicken. Uh, do you stream on Twitch anymore? Did something happen? Question <laughs> mark. Joe over on the uh, YouTube live stream. So I guess I'm just a proxy for, uh, you know, the Red Chicken fan club.
1: Oh, God! Yeah, Joe, I remember him. Yeah, I have not been streaming. Yes, that is true, but I am planning to do it again. Just a whole bunch of shit. But, yeah, so let, let, let's look. Let... Huh?
2: Uh, what do you plan to stream?
1: That's going to be a good question. I mostly play games, so most likely gonna game again. So but I'm also, also planning also to mix in... Uh...
2: Uh, Halo's Principle? Sorry? Uh, what games? Like... Frostpunk, Civilization, Tales Principle?
1: Uh, currently, most of the time at this uh, EFT, so uh, Escape from Tarkov, stuff like that, but I also like strategy games like Civ uh, and stuff like that, so it really depends, it depends, on, my depends mood. on my mood. What
2: about uh, puzzle games like Portal, Tales
0: Principle,
1: any of those games you play? Uh, yeah, but not on stream, but let's keep it towards Economics Explained and not let's go into <laughs> my, my stuff, you know?
0: Are you a, filth- a filthy casual?
1: No, I'm not a filthy casual.
0: <laughs> is, you can explain a filthy casual. Ah well, ah, well, back in the time when I had games, I was, I was the furthest thing from a filthy casual. I was hardcore, man. But that being said, I only played EVE Online, so um, you don't really so much play EVE Online casually. I don't think there's a single person that exists in that game that plays it casually. Uh, so, you know, take that as you will. I'm surprised you haven't done the economy of RuneScape yet.
1: There is actually a video on that.
0: I have done the economy of RuneScape. Yes. Now who's a filthy casual? (laughs) New (laughs) tone. A filthy casual video explained. Kick him off the the uh... server until he goes and watches the video. Then you're allowed back on. I want a TF2 economy video.
1: Oh, by the way, an update for you: economic explained on the um, a little bit on uh, the and if I see anybody with that name, Lisbon, I will kick you right away. Lisbon, try to get back in. Yeah, Who's okay, Lisbon, cool. yeah.
2: Lisbon.
1: Lisbon, Lisbon uh, tried to get back on, and uh, yeah, he's uh, banned nah, again, so you know. again, so you know. How
2: did he how oh, get, oh, get back so, on. Oh, on? Hold on,
0: your
1: mic is We had somebody with a lot of feedback, sorry.
0: So wait, so yeah, what did I'll Lisbon I'll do wrong? Because, as I understand, anybody with that much power would have done what he did.
1: Yeah. We're not going to go into that detail.
0: Right, okay. Um. Uh, so, <laughs> all of that aside, um, <laughs> Joe again over on the Discord server said, uh, "Will there be opportunities around the situation for it to be improved?" Question mark. I'm uh, not entirely sure what that question means. I mean, do do you mean that in the sense of like is there something that England can do to kind of make the best of the situation, or what do you mean, um, by that? Because yeah, I mean certainly there are some good things that will probably come out of Brexit for the United Kingdom, and that's something that probably gets overstated by the, the pro-Brexit the like the pro side and, and understated by the, you know, Remain side. Uh, and a big one of that is, is you know, the financial services in, in London especially. Uh, it's probably going to look at, you know, start to look a little bit more like <coughs> a uh, a global financial centre rather than a European financial centre, just like, uh, you know, let's say like a Singapore or a Hong Kong or something like that, where it'll have just sort of a little bit more liberty uh, than it would have had under the rule of the European Union. And given that, you know... Uh, financial services are such a huge industry in the, uh, the UK, uh, that actually might be something that's uh, kind of like a real light at the end of the tunnel, I suppose, for all of these naysayers. All of that being said, though, look, um, I mean, I tend to probably mean more on the, uh, not that it's really my say, but probably, you know, remaining in the EU was a better idea. Um, but you know, I can kind of probably see the arguments for or against. So I'm actually curious, you know, where, uh, because obviously we have a very diverse array of opinions here. Uh, Chicken, what's your opinion on it? What what do you think England should have done?
1: Well, what they should have done and what they should do, that is something completely up to the British people, of course, themselves to decide. The only thing is that uh, I also liked about your uh, video is that it's not all bad nor all good. Um... especially with what they're now doing, there is, of course, the uncertainty that's killing their economy at the moment. That means they're in a state of limbo land, uh, which I fully agree with. Um, on the one hand, they are taking back their own uh, their own well policy again, especially with uh, terrorists and stuff like that, which they really wanted. Um, but I think, of course, abandoning uh, a, a trade zone, a, a, an economic union, um, that is kind of... Um, well also a, a thing that is gonna result in 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 the short term some uh, or well big troubles we see that now with their economy that it is relatively uh, uh kept down to uh, growth over time but you can also argue that's the same for like france the netherlands some other european countries after the 2008 crisis um, the only thing that I found really funny is that uh, you didn't mention the um, uh, common cur- uh, currency um, uh, exchange rate, uh, the fixed exchange rates between <laughs> European countries, where um, it was supposed to be that everybody got the euro. But in I think 1972, there were some issues uh, with the with Britain, where they fell out of that essentially union uh, of of uh, common exchange rates uh, between them. And that's also why they didn't take the European, or oh well, the Euro in, in the beginning, and afterwards, of course, it became a, a, a sign of their own strong, independent um, economy and, and financial service, with, of course, the British pound as, as their cornerstone.
0: Yeah, and actually, to be honest, um, there was two reasons I didn't mention it. One, of course, you know, specific to Brexit, there were considerations in the sense that um, you know, post Brexit, having sort of looking at the single, you know, currency zone is uh, probably not something r- super topical to Brexit itself. More so, the the established European Union. Um, and also, sort of in in some kind of future video, I, I do want to um, look at that specifically because it is something that is really really interesting. and uh, something that's really important to understand as well. And certainly, when it comes to things like you know, uh, the Greek you know, economic crisis and sort of some limitations that countries had around uh, dealing with that because they all sort of were pegged to this one single currency. Uh, and there's sort of a lot of inbuilt st- stability. You know, y- your currency, um, I- a really good analogy, I don't know if any of you guys are car people. I'm a massive car nerd. You probably tell by all of my videos, talk about cars in some way. Um, but your currency is kind of like uh, your suspension on the world economy. So if you have a, you know, currency that can move up and down, it can sort of, uh, alleviate some of the stress that your sort of internal shocks will have uh, as you relate it to the world economy. So I don't know, let's call your country the car and the world economy the road. Uh, so it gives you a little bit of travel there uh, and the more movement obviously, you know, it sort of it eases some of those bumps. Now when you sort of tie yourself to a single currency, you know, especially if you're someone like Greece, uh, you're tying yourself to a country like Germany. Uh, it's like, you know, going off-road with absolutely no suspension at all, it can actually sort of cause quite a lot of issues uh, inside <coughs> the cabin. Now, uh, of course, there's more nuance to that, but I think that's a really sort of easy way of sort of visualizing how the ups and downs in a in a currency pairing can actually sort of be something that it looks bad for a country, but kind of gives them a little bit of a little bit of an advantage when their currency sort of falls in value, and then obviously you know pulls them back a little bit potentially when it um, when it's you know shooting too far ahead.
1: Yeah, it's, it's. I think, a very good analogy. And I think also that is the issue if you look towards the 2008 crisis. Uh, first of all, uh, of course, in the example of Greece, they lied a bit and they got cheap loans, which ultimately made them that they had so much debt they couldn't climb out of. Okay, that that's fair, uh, fair to say. But they also didn't have the tools anymore to get out of that debt, get out of that uh, uh, stuff in order to get, like, uh, more people into their country for deflating their, um, or is deflating, or sorry, inflating their um, currency essentially on the world market, which made it cheaper to uh, others to go do business with the country. Essentially, China does it the same way, uh, where they hold their currency relatively low compared to all the other currencies mm-hmm. on the world market, uh, so more people import uh, stuff from China to their country. So it's a legit, uh, legitimate way to make money, and that's also one of the benefits that, of course, uh, the UK has with its its own British uh, British pound, and where they were not uh, as as badly hurt by the financial crisis. I don't know exactly how wh- hurt they were by the financial crisis, so I'm not uh, authority on that by any means. But they had their own little things that they could do instead of one giant block which was trying to do um, or well do the best. Uh, for all of its members in the end, which of course the European Union and in an extent, of course, the United States also must do with the dollar versus the uh, the euro, of course, and then all the other global currencies.
3: Yeah, I have a question, right? So uh, in the topic of uh, those three parts of the video, so you said after the first, the, the reason why a lot of European countries came together was because after World War II, they were completely destroyed. But certain countries that, there was a mutual benefit for joining it and for getting the euro, et cetera, right? But now that I guess the euro, the European Union has stagnated, um, there's, no, there's not really a reason to stay in because most countries tend to be developed anyway. Uh, and also countries that stayed out of the European Union, like Switzerland and Norway, Actually, doing better off and have higher standards of living than countries that are in. So it seems to be that uh, countries that have a huge amount of wealth, whether it be natural resources or high skilled labour, tend to do better outside of the European Union rather than ones that are in, because they don't have to abide by the regulations that pick other countries up but limit certain countries. Ideas.
0: Yeah, and I think look, um, there's probably a few things to unpack there. Um, certainly. Now, the the you know the European Union was a force for uh, good, you know, certainly bringing a lot of countries together and it sort of has led to the development of a lot of nations. Uh, and certainly, it, people will point to examples like Switzerland, like Norway, uh, as examples of countries that sort of maybe sort of seem very similar to, to their European neighbors, um, but it seemed to go sort of really, really well because they didn't join the European <coughs> Union. Now, that is probably a bit of a false dichotomy to assume that, um, the reason that they do so well is because they're not in the union. Um, those countries, obviously, you know, before the European Union, um, sort of had a lot of inbuilt wealth. Now in Norway, of course, that sort of was realised when they founded oil, uh, and Switzerland, <coughs> sort of historically, has had you know a huge financial services sector that has led to um, you know vast wealth for the nation, and that's sort of something that's been historically true for them. Uh, and of course, you know that has been pendant on their sort of neutrality; hence, the reason that they've avoided. Um, you know, things like, you know, uh, trade unions like, like the European Union, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, I would say for, for most uh, member states today, still, that's not necessarily true. I don't think it would be sort of sensible nor reasonable to argue that, you know, if someone like France, you know, left the European Union, they would suddenly be all the more better for it. They would suddenly uh, be wealthy, you know, like Norway or Switzerland is. Of course, France for itself is a developed nation, but it is not as wealthy, sort of o- certainly not at an individual level as you know citizens of Norway or citizens of Switzerland are. But that's not to that's not necessarily to do with um, the European Union, you know, in a in a positive or negative way. Um, you know, France is a larger economy, but it doesn't have huge vast r- deposits of oil like uh, Norway does. It doesn't have um, you know, a huge, proportionately huge financial services sector like Switzerland has. Uh, it's a country that relies, you know, heavily on its regular services industry, some manufacturing, uh, like a lot of economies, you know, within the union. And I think it would probably be uh, irresponsible in a sense to sort of say that, oh, well, look, you know, the European Union has sort of run its course and France would be better off without it. For two reasons. One, you know, as what we've already explored, it's not sort of inherently... You know, pro or con of the European Union, too, uh, especially for nations that are part of the continental European Union. For member states that are, or you know, that have already signed on, um, they would need to renegotiate their trade deals. They would need to renegotiate their borders. There's a lot of inbuilt stuff. Now, for um, a country like, you know, the, the United Kingdom, they had a little, little bit easier. You know, obviously they're they're separated. Um, you know, via an ocean, so they're kind of on their own, little doing their own little thing out there. So they've got that going for them. Uh, they've also, um, you know, got their own currency. Which, let's say, someone like France, they don't have those kinds of advantages. So it would be that little bit harder for them to do that uh, as well. They would have to find their own currency, renegotiate everything and the European Union is going to be sort of very heavy-handed with their treatment of everything uh, as it relates to them, to the sense that it would sort of very negatively impact their economy. Um, I I don't sort of see the argument that would say, um, you know, to the contrary, you know, despite all of that, uh, just because suddenly it's free of some trade union, uh, that it it would suddenly be a lot wealthier.
3: I was saying that there was a point in which Europe was completely destroyed after World War II and there was a need to work together and that need came as a sacrifice of your own personal or individual goals f- for the collective, right? You had to work together and some people were stopped, some people were you know, picked up um, in order to establish a very good standard in Europe. But now that Europe itself, the European Union itself, has stagnated, it seems to a lot of people that it's the Union itself that's now holding it you back. You've, you've gone to this level and standard of liberty that's really good, globally, completely global sounds, Europe is extremely, extremely at the top of the top. So, like, well, what's next? So, what, if,
0: so, so what exactly if, would you sort of say uh, that France is not liberated to do today that it would be if it wasn't part of the European Union?
3: I'd say it's, it's tourism opinion. industry. It's I mean,
2: uh, just just a note, by the way. You, you said uh, Norway is not a part of the trade union. They are they're in, they're oh, in,
0: they're in the G- in right? the EEA. EEC, uh, but they're not the currency union, and they're not um, in the like. What's the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the tariff, the tariff union. Uh, <laughs> wrong word. They're in, they're in the EEA yeah,
2: the yeah we're Council,
0: not, the, not the union so they they're not sort of mutually exclusive no, the, the eea countries.
2: is the european economic area so they are part of the, the customs union and all of that
0: they don't have to levy um universal tariffs on on imports from other nations though
2: yeah they're part of the eea it's switzerland that's not part of the eea yeah, so yeah there, 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 there are hard. so
1: many rules and so many things with uh, treaties between some members. Uh, yeah, there are some excellent items uh, online to explain that, but indeed, Matthias, <laughs> yeah, there there is a lot of that. Uh, but actually, I wanted to also go into a question of somebody else. Xi uh, said that also, with free trade. Uh, and I think free trade, if it is always m- a mutual beneficial for, for parties, uh, and of course, the European Union is is a very good example because I think trade unions uh, or trade uh, blocs in general are a very good thing. I don't think that anybody in the uh, UK would argue that uh, working co- together in an economic area is a bad thing. I think, especially with Brexit, it was more political. And also, what uh, Meek uh, said, it's a lot more political of like how much. Um, the uh, rules and how much legislation is in place um, how much money by...
4: was, was given to to the EU. Mm-hmm. Sorry? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, a lot of uh complain about the money that they're giving to the EU.
3: On, on the bus, man, the bus with like, uh, we mm-hmm. spend. 120...
4: Yeah, yeah, the bus,
1: yeah. Ah, uh, you mean the, 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 essentially the money that is provided to the EU where the EU, uh, European Union uses that to do their stuff yeah. essentially.
3: Yeah. From from, yeah. The, from the I guess the civilian perspective from what I've spoken to people from the UK is that it helped them get to a certain point But now that they're developed and at that point, it's like we need to look for alternatives they, it, they the way they see it is that the European Union was meant to bring Europe together Help them develop after the war and then after that once they developed they were able to sort of compete again and and I guess Become more capitalistic in which they started to compete globally uh, a lot better rather than being restricted in order to keep current living standards mm-hmm. through high time
4: also just to uh, just to like touch on how how uh, on the brexit right it, it all started when when david cameron uh gave the green light to to make the brexit referendum and beef and prior to that uh david cameron c- kind of pissed off uh the british people by Imposing austerity measures. So, uh, yeah, for, for 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 from the video, you didn't really highlight much on like the on UK before the Brexit referendum. Maybe you could like uh, you know elaborate
0: on that. So the UK wasn't. Um, I wouldn't think it was necessarily uh, a great place uh, at the time of uh, the referendum. I think potentially that was something where oh my goodness yeah look at that. Um, that's the, the European Union and its uh, and its sort of constituents. My goodness, that's confusing. Um, but anyway, look. Uh, all of that aside, maybe we need a video just to unpack that mess. Um, so, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I think that's I think that's a really good question, and I also want to sort of link that in uh, with something that we used for, like like France, for example, as as, as that. Um, oftentimes, you know, when the European Union uh, and by extension a lot of its constituent states, you know, England in particular wasn't going great. Uh, you know, we saw the Eurozone crisis and sort of the general slowdown of European countries that came along with that. Uh, and that was primarily caused by, you know, sort of misbehaving nations, you know, particularly uh, places like Germany come, uh, sorry, not Germany, Greece come to mind. Greece, yeah, yeah. And that sort of made it like this this big boogeyman. It's like, ah, oh, you know, this is the you know ball and chain that's kind of keeping us down. Uh, now, whether that was true or not is, is, is really quite hard to say in a sense that, look, uh, the European Union does a lot of good. You know, encouraging free trade amongst you know uh, member countries on a uh, regional level is good. You know, free trade normally uh, liberates certain economies to take advantage of things like comparative advantage, um, but also limiting in the sense that, of course, you know you're tied down to effectively your weakest link if you have an almost uh, you know mutually exclusive trade area, uh, and also. it Sometimes potentially limits the ability you'd have to trade with people outside that you would prefer to. Uh, now, of course, in the European Union, for example, there are uh, liberties to actually do that. Uh, so you, you're not sort of saying, oh, well, look, England, if you do want to trade with America, you just absolutely can't. Uh, it's just something that's going to cost you a lot more to do, uh, which means that there are sort of some limitations with, you know, Taking advantage of comparative advantage on a global scale, even if you are taking advantage of it, you know, truly on a and on a more domestic scale. Um, but that's also something that I really wanted to um, focus on because the question sort of came up, um, you know, and that was sort of directly related to this uh, around tourism because tourism is uh, an export industry. So if you have tourists coming to your nation, it's just as good as loading coal or iron ore or cars or whatever onto a ship and sending it over to that country. Um, it's you know basically people spending money in your country to to take something of value out of your country. Even if what they're taking out of your country is you know memories and tacky souvenirs, it, it's still uh, an export. So um, that all being said, uh, with the example mm. of um, you know like f- let's say France, um, you know because it's a good catalyst and, and you know, potentially it's a more topical example. Uh, how do you think France's tourism industry? Uh, would go if they were to leave the European Union. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, I think it was... Were you the one sort of arguing that, you know, they'd they'd be a little bit more liberated
3: there? Yeah. I mean, if you look at... I I hate to point out Turkey, but they have... Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. They're pretty good, actually, when it comes to tourism. Uh, France is a very highly sought-out area, but I feel like the restrictions on the EU itself quite kind of make it difficult.
0: Right, okay. Okay. but I mean, I think the thing that's sort of unpack there is, is certainly um, in terms of tourism uh, and, and for, for countries that sort of do attract that sort of level of, of tourism, you know, France is obviously an extreme example of it because it has Paris, it has the Louvre, it has Nice, it has, you know, all of these sort of lovely huge tourist attractions. But still, even despite all that, the majority, the vast majority of tourists come from within the European Union um, because it's a really easy place to get to. You know, I don't have to worry necessarily uh, about changing currencies or anything like that. Um, I can basically just get my car and drive over to France and I have the ability to, you know, spend a nice, uh, let's say, weekend on the beach uh, in the south of France or, you know, go and see the Louvre in, in Paris and... I have the ability to do that because it's a l- it's a lot easier now. If it was something where um, you know potentially I had to exchange um, you know currency you know back into the French francs or whatever it may be, and you know pack my passport and cross borders and you know do all of that kind of rigmarole, you know certainly you know for things like weekend trips and uh, you know small week long trips that make up a majority of France's tourism industry, it would probably be something that would have a major negative impact on it because uh, it wouldn't be as cheap, and it certainly wouldn't be as easy. Now, um, all of that is sort of a very roundabout way of saying, um, you know, in in England, um, you know, certainly there probably was um, some sort of level of the European Union being used as this boogeyman um, for for why the country was doing shit. You know, uh, you know, negative conditions tend to foster, um, you know, the desire for a scapegoat. No one ever wants to blame themselves and so it's certainly easy to say oh well look you know we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the eu dragging us down uh and look mm-hmm. whether that was true or not uh, i would err on the side of look the the eu's probably done more good for england uh even in sort of recent decades than it has done bad but it's certainly one of those things that's very hard to prove a negative and it certainly does make it an easy scapegoat for uh, you know people that sort of want to take advantage of that and sort of like big brash actions like yeah let, let's forget it let's let's go our own way and forge our own destiny and certainly there is some kind of nationalist bravado that I understand with that and certainly been able to serve sort of, um, march the beat of your own drum uh, probably was potentially sort of uh, a big driving factor there as for if it was based on economic principles oh, I would say no.
3: yeah I guess it, it's sort of like the way I see it is that hey let's work together because we're really poor right now We'll earn something, and then after, we can all just part our ways, kind of how I see it. After World War II, it was a need. But now that, I mean, it's pretty well off, UK is doing kind of well, the entire EU is stagnated, we need to look at other things, because our friendship clearly isn't working, sort of thing, I guess. That's what the people that I've speak, spoken to.
0: Right, so, so because you've hit a bad time, you, like, you think the thing that got us into the good times is what's causing the bad times? Yeah. So, yeah, pretty so much. rise and fall. Yeah, and I mean, but... look, I, I, I sort of see that in the sense that, like, uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Look, let, let let's sort of stretch an analogy and sort of say, um, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I've uh, I, I was I was feeling really really sick, uh, uh but then I took some medicine. And I took, and I took some water. I, you know, I drank. You know, had a nice healthy diet. Um, and you know, I I felt much much better. Um, but then suddenly I, uh, you know, s- you know, started feeling not great again. So I decided, oh well, you know what, I'm going to stop drinking this water business. Um, okay. You know, certainly it's something um, that has done some good, and I think it's really, ir- literally, irrefutable to say that the European Union hasn't done good, even if it is only sort of historically. Um, but just because it's done good in the past doesn't mean it's doing bad mm. now. Um, I see that as sort of a pretty sort of facile work around argument, that... Again, it's sort of something that's easy to understand. We have this constant in our lives. It's something that's not bad. It's something that's somewhat external, so we can blame it easily. And I think that's ultimately sort of what's happened there. Yeah, Would you say the um, economic impacts would have disproportionately affected um, different groups of people. For instance, it might have had a positive overall economic impact on middle-class people and upper middle-class people who work mainly in the services sector uh, but maybe would have had more negative effects in say the working-class northern areas who work in traditional manufacturing
5: industries uh, actually isn't it uh, like sort of uh, better for both uh, like uh, like i mean better for europe and britain to have a free trade since uh, that way uh, the united kingdom can uh, sell its uh, sell more of its goods to the europe and the uh, can import european goods for example german or some french goods much cheaper
3: i i, I would i would say like the, the, the like this guy ironstock is speaking about it is that like the whole thing about free trade is that switzerland has free trade access with the european union and they aren't in it So, if a country is valuable enough to sell to, or to buy from, that's what I would
1: say. Yeah, and it's also, if you look towards uh, general economic trends, uh, look, for example, at uh, the US and their tariff war or or economic trade uh, slash trade war with China. It's all about what you want. Uh, Ultimately, that was also a question of, see, if, if, uh, free trade is mutual beneficial to, to both parties. Often it is the case that if you have a free, uh, free trade zone, that more trade will become uh, available to everybody, uh, boosting up everybody's, uh, well, essentially GDP, if you agree with GDP is a second point then. However, <clears throat> what is really good about, if you look at those kind of stuff, is that ultimately it is all about what you want. Because look at, for example, we in the Netherlands, have uh, we are uh, we are in the EU, EU and we have a lot of uh, guest laborers, for example, from Poland. You can say these are very good because they provide uh, a cheaper labor for our market, meaning we have more benefit overall. Uh, you can also just argue, well, I want Dutch people to do those jobs, so I want them gone because we have uh, as much jobs uh, still available for Dutch people or Dutch people who are uh, not... not um, Currently working, so
4: basically um, better quality jobs for Dutch people.
1: Uh, something like that it turns out to come out of it, but it's all about what you want. Ultimately, I think free trade uh, will always benefit each uh, partner. Partner, but uh, it is always um, well. What is your uh, uh, objective of it? If you just yeah. want to trade more, free trade is 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 brilliant.
5: Yeah, that's what I'm st- <clears throat> what I'm actually saying about what uh, actually. Uh, I- if uh well if the co- government um, uh, as far as i understand is uh, in the cases of government is actually trying to control the economy and somehow uh, to influence the uh, trade relations then it actually disrupts the natural uh process the guiding
0: the guiding hand of the market so your sort of understanding is that look i mean if you if if nations just kind of keep out of it no tariffs no import quotas nothing like that um countries will naturally trade what they're best at trading through the sort of natural forces of the market is that sort of
5: yeah i i yeah i mean exactly that like uh, for example if the united kingdom uh, can produce uh, let's say wet uh, of its own for cheaper than the than they would import it then probably the british economy would uh, produce its own wet instead of instead of uh, importing it, isn't it? Doesn't it work like that?
0: Uh, that's that's true, and that is the same uh, today. That would be the same under any kind of rules around tariffs and quotas uh, in any kind of hypothetical, uh, and it will also be the same after Brexit. If a country can make something more cheaply internally, it will always do that in, in favor of importing it, uh, unless there is some kind of uh, negative incentive, like, uh, like an import anti-tariff uh, to import the goods, because um, it's just more cost effective to bring it in- internally. Uh, it's only when you see things like, uh, and the reason that things like tariffs and trade quotas exist is because you'll see things like this. Look, let's say, take America as an example, because uh, you know, all roads lead back to Rome I guess, um, and you know, Americans get angry when I don't mention them at least once a video. Uh, so the United States, right, uh, it produces cars, you know, it has GM, Ford, you know, Chrysler, it, it's got its sort of major car manufacturers, oh, well, and Tesla as well, of course. Uh, now it's really great to have, you know, American-made cars and, you know, being sold in the American economy because, you know, if someone buys an American car, uh, you know, they're supporting an American business that employs Americans and doesn't it feel good, you know, you're kind of keeping that money inside the economy. Now Japan comes along, for example, and it probably makes better cars cheaper which would mean that look anyone sort of shopping for a car when they're tossing up between a Chevy Cruze and a Toyota Yaris well they'd be an absolute moron to buy the Chevy Cruze because you know Toyota Yaris is more reliable it's a little bit more cost effective it's more fuel efficient they got more mod cons you know etc etc so that means that the Toyota Yaris is going to be a much more competitive vehicle which is Great for the consumer, but terrible for the American economy because it means that all of those factory workers and stuff are kind of left out in the cold because they can't compete with this sort of cheaper import good. So what America will do is say, "All right, no worries. Look, we're not going to say that you can't sell your Yaris here, but when it comes through our, you know, port when you drop it off uh, in California to, uh, you know, unload and sell it throughout the American economy." you have to pay a tariff on it so something like 10% of the price of the car that you plan to sell it for here in America and what that means is that now sort of artificially the Toyota Yaris is is either a little bit more expensive or the same price as a Chevy Cruze they're kind of on par and they're you know sort of competitive goods which it gives an artificial advantage to the American good. Now the advantage of that of course is that it supports domestic industries the disadvantage of that is that it can kind of prop up these industries that probably shouldn't uh, exist in a real efficient market so there are major arguments back and forth for that uh, curiously enough it's one of those sort of weirdly divisive issues where you'll see people that are very very much pro you know the guiding hand of the free market the free market knows all I don't want to see any of you know those government handouts or you know boosting the government up it tends to sort of pay the same or
4: illegals
0: or that or illegal um, immigrants okay <laughs> um, oh, and um, they also t- tend to be the people that are really pro these kinds of protectionist policies because it means American jobs. Um, so it's a bit of a weird one where they'll sort of support, you know, no government handouts, no sort of guy, go- you know, no government interference. But as soon as it comes to s- protecting these uh, local industries, it's like hell yeah, you know, tariff the shit out of them, like America first. And um, it sort of tends to be one of those things where it's a bit weird. But there are pros and cons to either. Uh, and as that relates to England, of course. Uh, it meant uh, when they were part of the European Union, they were of course heavily incentivized to trade, which meant that they could not levy tariffs on people within the European trade zone. Um, so, you know, it meant that let's say France, <laughs> let, let's say France in a hypothetical, actually built decent cars. Um, you know, and they sort of competed with, let's say, Ameri- uh, you know British cars. Uh, you know, England couldn't impose tariffs on France to, to kind of artificially make their cars more more competitive. Now, in reality, they, they both produce absolutely dog-shit cars, and you should definitely buy a German car, but uh, it's a sort of thought experiment. Actually, McLaren's. I mean...
3: Uh, Italian cars, perfect. No. Yeah, I actually like uh Renault Citroen, but whatever, I was going to that out there.
0: Nah, well,
4: you're wrong. Renault's Re- uh. Reynolds, Re- Reynolds pretty shit.
3: <laughs> oh god, I take the to offence. Why is everyone calling me shit in the chat, dude? <laughs> <laughs> yep. you, you're, not
4: really, you're not much of a car guy, by the way, Mick. Like, you know that.
3: Yeah, I like driving it though. Look at, that. Oh, Look at
0: that. Actually, it's completely irrelevant. It's a completely irrelevant question, but if you had to have a garage, let's say three cars, uh, but they all had to be from the same mm-hmm. nation, you know, what would what would that nation be? And
3: Japan. Why? Japan. Japan.
0: Yes. Italy. Three Mazda Miatas. What else would a man need?
2: Oh, obviously it'd be Italy. It'd have to be Italy.
4: <laughs> what, about, what about what about Volvo's?
2: Because if I had free, if I had free Italian cars, that means I could have free mechanics around at the same time. Oh, God. That's true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of course, like I, I, I would be pretty plain and say like. Um, you know germany you know, i could have uh you know a, let's say a big mercedes suv like a g wagon or something and then potentially a, a porsche uh as like a fun car and like a mercedes s class but i would sort of be partial to it to a german uh, sorry to an english car fleet you know a range rover uh a mclaren like a mclaren yes and then, I don't know, some, some, something sensible to sort of fly under the radar, but, uh, you know, maybe like an Aston Martin or something like that, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, yeah,
3: oh, I'd go like with the Bentley, Bentley, Bentley over the McLaren. Mm-hmm. Ah, Bentley like, Yeah, the Continental. If
2: you're is... going for a British oh. car and you don't go for a Morgan, po oh, shame. Absolute shame.
4: I'm more of an Aston Martin guy.
2: Oh, yeah, two to be fair Astons are pretty good. Well, who makes Bugatti, by the way?
0: Oh, that's French. Enough. It's, ah. it's
4: it's French, but owned by Volkswagen. Yeah, ah,
0: so it's, G- it's German, I guess, but but it's actually built in France. So of all places, you know, who would have thought? Yeah. Molchan <laughs> in
3: France. That's just awkward, poor guys. Uh, yeah. So I forgot what we, what we were talking about. The-
5: had, uh, I had
0: that one golden opportunity to sort of pivot my channel into a car channel, and you know, maybe I'll be able to review oh, it. Something
4: like e- economics of rebadge engineering.
3: Oh, yeah. I was going to speak to you about, I guess, comparative competitive advantage. So, when the EU was being made, this is coming from, I guess, England point. I want to ask you the question, which is like, how did they decide? certain countries to because of all countries in the EU were competitive, which they were, they were massive empires, just fighting with each other. Like how, how did they decide, Oh, well, Germany should, Germany's really good at making cars. So let them design cars. Whereas the rest of Europe, you just do what, what you do best. And we're all just mostly cultural factors.
2: So like Germans are probably more studious. They're more serious. So therefore, they're more predisposed to engineering and more practical fields, as such. Whereas you could see it in the in, in the cars. Funnily enough, Italian cars are they break down a lot. They're flamboyant, and you know, you know they're, <laughs> they're, 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 they're dog shit. But you know you love them because they're great. Yep. Try try Italian that
3: to an Italian dude. Yeah. I have, yeah. and I, I got I got yelled at, but you know whatever. Yeah, so okay. what I guess how is. how do they decide? uh comparative advantage uh, and and decide like which country should do what so that they don't fight and break up eventually well and i guess is, now that we...
0: they, they didn't so no one sort of sat down yeah. and decided hey germany you go and make cars because you're nerds italian people you make flamboyant cars because you're flamboyant uh french people you make the croissants and uh you know, england you can make some scones <laughs> like uh, no one sort of sat down and sort of relegated Sons. the countries had to do that Uh, It just sort of happened that, you know, obviously countries that did have that inherent advantage did it and certainly did well by it because of course they could sort of take advantage of their comparative advantage in a now trading zone where they didn't have the limitations of things like tariffs and import duties and quotas and stuff like that. So it's not something to necessarily say that anyone decided, Uh, it just sort of naturally happened. Now when you sort of remove those limitations, like they removed those limitations when they were forming the the European Union, uh, you that's when sort of comparative advantage sort of takes full effect. It's only when um, things like tariffs are enacted that people basically decide who does what. Oh, mate. Look at that
2: mute. He just said, oh, mate. You know, he has one. <laughs> it's, rather, it's, rather, it's rather that old Toyota Camry.
0: Nah, nah, no one will be able to guess what car I drive. If you can, I'll, I'll be very impressed.
3: Mazda 2. Mm, it's a Miata. It. It's a, is it a Miata?
0: Yeah, uh, it's actually it's actually like the the classic non car guy car. So uh,
3: the the the
4: Proton Jumbuck.
3: Wow. Uh, Toyota Taz. Do you have a Toyota Taz? The old one from <laughs> the nineties. Be- <laughs> that, that's that's the one of the best cars ever made, man. That's Guys,
2: it's a trick question. He rides a motorcycle. Hey, oh, Unicycle.
3: Uh it's a it's a trick trick question. He rides a kangaroo, the best Australian <laughs> car I ever made. True. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. The second part Drop of the question is competitive advantage. Uh, so competitive advantage kind of just dist- like reduced co- com- competitive advantage because if certain countries were to move on the territory of uh, other countries within the EU, that would be sort of a bad thing. So people were kind of, uh, I guess, positioned to stay where they are and just be right. content with the current developments. Like, you know, Johnny makes cars, he doesn't try and go into the UK's territory and then the UK does his own thing, he doesn't go into Germany's territory because it's bad for both of them. Well- But now um, the UK doesn't have a restriction anymore.
0: I mean, that's simply not true. Um, You know, there wasn't any sort of inherent agreement that, you know, people had to, um, you know, stay out of other people's business. Now, certainly there would be sort of agreements, things like that, where, you know, hey, Maybe that was sort of discussed backdoor, but you know, for England, for example, has things that directly compete uh, with the German auto car market. You know, you look at country companies like, uh, uh, well, I mean, Range Rover and things like that. They compete directly with with Germany SUVs, um, you know, luxury SUVs. They, so that that's not something where they've agreed to stay out of each other's markets or anything like that. There's no inherent agreements about what who produces what um, within the European Union. Yeah, it's
3: just a sentiment between
0: Europeans. No, I don't think there's that. It's just an agreement that, look, uh, someone does something really well inside the European Union. You trade freely with them. You don't impose tariffs on them, so you don't sort of artificially, um, you know, increase the competitiveness of your own nation within the Union. Um, So if anything, it it does the opposite. It sort of encourages people within the Union to sort of be more competitive amongst each other. Um, so I don't know. Th- there's no real example um, of of that, um, where people would say, "Oh, you, you get off, get off my grass!" You know, only I'm allowed to produce cars here, or, um, or or anything to that effect.
3: I see. Interesting.
4: It looks worse.
3: I haven't. Oh my god, dude!
0: I am loving these cars. None of them. Are, none of them, None of them are correct. But mm. I, I do love a Holden Commodore U. Um They're great. Um, you know, they're they're certainly fantastic. I'm not sure about these. I'm not sure about these other ones. though. Like this, 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 this. The, the, didn't,
4: uh, didn't Holden like didn't Holden perfect. like discontinue the Yutes? The
0: uh, well, they they they're not making anything in Australia anymore. So, um, you know, the yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? Are, are extremely angry at them and have basically kind of abandoned the company. It's it's really sad. Like. Um, they just fell off a cliff. Like the only reason that you'd go and buy uh, a Holden is to sort of support uh, Australian car manufacturers. And man, as soon as they move overseas, like no one buys new ones anymore. There's so many Holden dealerships that used to go sort of gangbusters, and nah, absolutely. I
4: feel like I feel like I feel like General General Motors blame for mismanaging the company, for like driving it to the ground. Wow,
0: well, they're also I got to be honest. Like as much as I love you know sort of you know my my local car. Um, industry, Holden's were just <coughs> garbage. They were useless cars, and and I think you know it's the same thing as the Except
4: for except for their their sport models, right? Like the HSVs, yeah.
0: The yeah. special models. Sure, th- sure that, that that were cheap power, um, but like I mean, all cars were just unbelievably plagued by like bad service, uh, sort of bad dealerships, bad um, you know sort of. Uh, like post-ownership servicing it was just um just got awful i mean my uh you know like my one of my first cars was a holden my god Uh, that was it was absolute (laughs) absolute dog shit like i remember it was a like a four-cylinder uh, car and for for a long ass time it was driving around on three cylinders because every time i fix a cylinder another one would break <laughs> oh, so it was like you know so down on power and, and and like the air conditioner would break and then as soon as i fixed the air conditioner the timing belt would break and as soon as i fixed that another cylinder would break and then i don't know like the clutch would go and it's
3: just... yeah, that company is so smart <laughs> Uh, that's a really smart company they make stuff so it breaks just so you can so it just it gives you the hope that something's fixed and then it breaks but it's only one thing so if you have to replace it you have to replace the entire car that's yeah. very smart and
0: then and then after that i got a i got a subaru and and that was that was just a fantastic car like oh apart, subaru apart from the servicing oh man it was like um like I, I take it in for it sort of like they would do a service uh twice a year. That's the only, like apart from gas, that's the only thing I've ever paid into that car. Just absolutely flawless. Nothing breaks, ever. It's just, really, like, bulletproof. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> the Nokia 3310, of cars. And,
0: and, uh, no, I do not vape, so, and well, let's get that question out of there. Uh,
3: yeah, the economics of uh, vaping vape on, uh, on, on Zoomer's... I would like a random meme type of economics video, like the economics of boomer jokes on the tourism industry. So every uh, every country that I go to, always, every country I go to always has those T-shirts. Like I visited uh, Germany, and all I got was this shitty shirt. So boomer jokes have been a staple in our uh, tourism industry for a while. I would like a video explaining that.
0: Uh, okay. Uh. Um. Well, look. When I inevitably run this channel to the ground um, by selling out, <laughs> uh, it'll be the last video I ever make. Okay, I make that promise to you.
3: Thank you. Once you get sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends, get that four k in. And
2: make- well, I did. I did like the end of the Brexit video where you made the cute little
0: I mean, I've couple. Got, I've got my. I've got my eyes on, a, on on the new Tesla Roadster. So hey, you know, if I can sell out, yeah, maybe. maybe.
4: Hashtags. Can yeah. we you get your uh your No lane. Don't, go, don't go for a Tesla
3: roaster. go for mm, a Cybertruck. Okay. Here's 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 a position for you, right? So will Productions and Real Engineering did made like normal engineering videos, but then they start to get hired by companies to come in and just walk around with their like so they make a video off of that. But so you can you can do this. Like the economics of uh, Tesla or some shit, right? And then Tesla will probably just bring you in like, oh yeah, this is how we make the cars and uh, blah, blah, blah. Position it, man. It's all about positioning. You can
2: just steal one, dude.
3: No, oh yeah, you can steal one as well.
0: I'm, I'm just gonna take this back to Australia, okay? Thanks. Yeah. Dude, you'll be 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds. Yeah, I'm gone. <laughs> nah, he'll, chase me Tesla <laughs> he'll chase me down in his rocket. What the fuck? come and smack me I, over the head with he's not a flamethrower just
2: imagine elon just talking to a headset calling spacex and then they just rockets chasing you fuck
0: what a way to go out
3: it's uh,
2: these, I, tom cruise
3: when i was younger everyone always like well, what do you think will happen in the future and i'm like it's so trash now like we, we thought of, sort of like flying cars and then we'd have like a like a colony on mars and then we'd be able to switch them to like an something like a galnet a galaxy network or something i don't know man i was very all we got was cheap fake nikes i'm very disappointed
0: yeah well look i mean don't worry we still have our lord and savior elon musk so he'll uh i I
3: thought you were going to say lisbon oh lordy lisbon (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. sorry Mm. I mean, oh, I by the
2: way,
3: you, did you see the meme channel? We were roasting Red Chicken. I felt so bad for him the other day. We really went in. Yeah. Well, we were, it's funny. Just like go go to the meme channel and just like scroll upwards. For, like two I've days I've
2: later. I've got a full lit, uh playlist yeah. of uh Lisbon videos now if you want them me. Yeah, <laughs> <for> e. <like, laughs> <with Corey laughs> and Corey in the I house. I make
0: fun of Red Chicken. Well, I definitely understand
2: making oh, fun of he e. banned
3: him. You
2: should oh, no. put it on your second channel. All all,
3: yeah. all those good
2: ones. That'd be funny. Wait, wait,
3: hang on one second. I'll I'll get the video for you guys. It, it was pretty funny though. We made like a, I'd say about twenty to thirty memes over the course of like two hours, just roasting him. on sub. that's pretty funny. He he was in the joke. He was in on the joke.
0: <laughs> he was in on the. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I know, red chicken. You take it. Oh goodness gracious me.
2: Oh, night wise. That's that's harsh. <laughs>
0: I think that's a good idea. Okay, but, uh,
4: totally, uh, I uh yeah, a totally okay. unrelated question. Um, uh, all of these so e, e, are so you related. familiar with, <laughs> are So, okay, so Got it. I just wanted Send to sh- share a bit about, uh, this, uh, this, this, like nation building project called Esgardia, and I wanted to know what your thoughts on it.
0: Okay. Um, wh- where are they building a nation now?
4: They're building a nation in space.
0: Oh okay yes Who's yes a? and they
4: have, um so so this russian billionaire um made this pet project uh to build a nation in space a, a sovereign nation by launching a, a satellite into space and uh, declaring it as a, a country <laughs> it's, it's bonkers but they're they're, they're going to uh, build like um like an like like a like an actual country with a with a working economy and democracy in space, kind of like Star Trek, but it's it's happening right now.
2: Oh, there really you go. Very... I sent the Wikipedia thing for it.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Well, why why do why does all, <laughs> all this cooked shit start with? So there was this bored Russian billionaire. <laughs> they,
2: they, they they just
4: they just got, they just got approved by the United Nations.
0: What? No. Yes. The United Nations was yes, so not, sitting no back and be like. Yeah, And and
4: yeah, like all oh, like the they got all the worlds, uh, they more. got they got all the world's space agencies on board, like like NASA.
3: So you're
2: telling me this guy wanted to be Thor?
3: <laughs> no, wait, wait, who's saying what? He,
2: he wants to become a space pirate or oh, space God, president.
3: I think he watched the greatest, uh, the greatest Disney Channel movie ever. Uh, what is the space know? pirate one? What is uh, space <laughs> uh, Cory. <laughs> I <think Patrick laughs> <was talking> about- He <laughs> Cory yeah, in the house. Treasure like, <laughs> yeah, Treasure Planet. The greatest-, greatest <laughs> Oh,
2: yeah. Treasure- uh... No, it's <laughs>
3: not. <laughs> Cory in the house is better. Yeah, he was just For like, oh, wow, Cory is in a really nice house. What if that house was in space, and the president I mean, the White House would be judging from space?
2: Dude, how are you not talking about this?
0: You know what you know what i actually this is so interesting i had no idea i i, I actually uh, i'm going to make the commitment to you guys now i'm going to talk about this because that is that is next level like my goodness. It, it, it is
4: really it is super awesome um i'm, I'm actually considered to be a member of, of asgardia I'm, I'm like technically a citizen
3: <laughs> yeah uh, the overwatcher actually went to one of those conferences a few days ago send him the pics man send him the pics the pics are good yeah uh,
4: yeah
3: it's seven dudes
0: S- s- send, the- send them to me directly, because I'm also going to sleep now. It's 1.10. Um, so thanks for the thanks okay. for the chat, guys. Thanks for everyone here and over on the live stream. I hope you guys enjoyed the video. And I'm sorry that they've got so off-topic like it almost always does. So uh, really, I'm not that sorry anymore. You guys know what to expect. Yeah, I, I, I,
3: I-, I sent you the memes through DM as well, in case you wanted to
0: Yeah, I'll put, them up on, I'll put them up on the second channel, actually. It's probably a good use for it. Other than that, peace out.
2: yeah.
3: Thanks.